Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. Hi, everyone. I'm Mike Huber, founder and CEO of the Freshman Foundation. Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, a podcast geared toward how to prepare high school student athletes mentally and emotionally for the transition to college athletics. My guest today is Adam Boucher, a freshman pitcher at Duke University. Adam and I spent a lot of time together when I was on the baseball coaching staff at St. Joseph High School in Metuchen, New Jersey, where Adam played for four years on the varsity baseball team. Please welcome Adam to the podcast. Adam, good morning. How's it going, buddy? Morning. Uh, it's going really well. I'm happy to join you guys and uh, looking forward to what we are going to discuss. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I miss... Uh, so for the listeners, Adam and I spent a lot of time together for two years and uh, had a lot of conversations. And when Adam left for college, it was like uh, it was like having a kid leave for college where they don't uh, they don't call or write anymore. They just uh, go off and do their own thing. So I'm really happy to have him back in the uh, in the house here in the Zoom room. So uh, it's good it's good to see him again face to face. So what's going on, man? How's how's school so far? Um, it's been good. Uh, a little bit of an adjustment period. I mean, obviously, Duke, they went away with a fall break uh, schedule. They had us here from August until Thanksgiving, basically. And we get an extended winter break, and then we go back in the spring for a long time. So been away for a while. We're going on, let's say, three and a half months without going home. But, uh, you know, fitting in well, finding my niche. Um, school's going well. Baseball's been a blast. It's been, it's been a good deal. Good. How's the how's the health situation there with COVID? Uh, we're actually doing a really good job. Um, we get tested twice a week. The athletes that are out of season get tested twice a week. The athletes that are in season get tested every day. And then non-athletes get tested twice a week as well. Um, so they, they have some pretty good mitigation protocols here. Uh, the numbers are way, are really down. Uh, there's really not much threat here. They they almost consider it a bubble. They don't really want us leaving campus, going out and mingling with outsiders. So they, they do a really good job of containing here. Okay. And how do you how do you think that's affected your your first semester of college? Have you have you been disappointed by it or is it just sort of has it been okay? I mean, it's twenty twenty in a nutshell. Um <laughs> that we've basically we just hang out with the baseball team a lot. You know, they have us in an apartment complex with a ton of um, other sports teams. So we see them out and about getting food, stuff like that. You know, obviously the social scene is affected. Uh, so the nightlife isn't what you think college is quite going to be, but still you meet new people just from daily interactions, stuff like that. You see people on the bus that you know. But yeah, I mean, you get to know the team a lot better um, just because we're by default or yeah we're just grouped and we're in the same hallway in the apartment building so yeah we've had a lot of bonding time i'll say that cool i mean it must it must be nice to have the benefit of being with a team all the time you know where you've always got people to spend time with you're gonna get to know them really well i think that's probably the benefit you know the upside of what's going on uh even though maybe it's not the traditional kind of first semester college experience Right, right. Um, yeah, and I mean, the sophomores have been super, it's us and the sophomores in the apartment complex, they've been super helpful, you know, they've got us through this thing. So, yeah, it's, it's a good deal. Good. 
All right. So let's let's talk about baseball. So for, for the audience who probably doesn't know who you are, can you just kind of tell us about your baseball background? You know, you can kind of start wherever you want. But as a baseball player, tell me kind of how you got to where you are today. Uh, yeah. So basically, I've been a pitcher all my life. Uh, fell in love with the sport when I was super young. Went, uh, I played Diamond Jacks travel ball uh, out of Flemington, New Jersey. Played for St. Joseph High School under Mike Murray. Obviously, Coach Huber was on the staff there. I'm a right-handed pitcher, and uh, yeah, my recruiting process, you know, I was doing the travel circuit freshman, sophomore year. Um, got seen by a couple schools, was lucky enough to get seen by Duke. And, you know, it was kind of a destination school for me. So when things materialized, I knew I wanted to come here. Um, and so now I'm here, part of a 10-person freshman recruiting class um, and working on it every day, trying to get better. Right. So so the the recruiting process. So when when were you offered and when did you commit? Um, so I think I was offered maybe September of sophomore year um so like first day of school sophomore year maybe something like that okay um and then i committed about i think i sat on it for a month and a half maybe i committed like three days before thanksgiving sophomore year so uh yeah it was that was pretty much the timeline there that's a good transition right so academically you know in high school like Tell me about that. You're a high academic achiever, right? St. Joe's is a really good school for those who don't know. Like, talk about that. Like, talk about how much emphasis you put into your academics as a high school athlete. So at St. Joe's, it, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't terribly tough. Uh, you kind of knew what you were getting out of your teachers. Um, you can hear from upperclassmen what the teachers are like. Everyone kind of has a similar schedule and there's a comfort level that comes with it. So the classes weren't terribly hard. Obviously you're gonna have to study, you're gonna have to prepare, you're gonna have to work hard. But here it's a different ball game. I'm actually the only baseball player in uh, the engineering school right now. So it's been an adjustment curve. I'm taking math, engineering, chem, and writing. Uh, it's it's a pretty loaded slate. You Right now I'm in a lot of introductory level classes at the 100s, um, but still they're kind of, they're much more challenging. It's I would say that the academics here are much more proactive than reactive. So in college, you're not waiting for the teacher to tell you have an assignment. It's due this time. You have the X amount of days to do it. They kind of expect you to check the stuff online and do it. And so your first two weeks of school, you can kind of get caught up in, oh, I have an incomplete assignment that I didn't even know I had. So you have to be really proactive in terms of checking the checking their websites, staying on top of your game, and really it's doing stuff before you have to. That's going to get you where you want to be. It's, I mean, in high school, I think everybody kind of leaves things until the last night before they're due, and you can get away with it. Um, here it's a little different because when you come home from Lyft at 8.30 p.m. and you just want to eat and go to bed and you still have a paper or you have to do a problem set for math, uh, you can get in, you can get in some trouble there. Yeah, it's definitely adjustment. I mean, I, I if I think back to my time in college, I, w- I wasn't even an athlete, but I did work a significant amount my first year. And I it was a huge adjustment, right? Because you're managing your time on your own. You know, I didn't wasn't much of a studier either, unfortunately, in high school. So you have to learn how to study efficiently and you have to learn how to budget your time efficiently. And that, you know, especially adding that baseball component to it um, could be really it sounds like it could be, you know, really challenging. So if you had to kind of map out your week or just kind of guess, guesstimate, like how many hours are you spending on baseball, which I'm sure you probably have a good handle on that versus academics versus other. 
Right. So on baseball, the NCAA mandated time limit is 20 hours. And I'll tell you, we run right to 20 hours and zero minutes every week. And then we have strength and conditioning that doesn't count towards the time or like quote unquote optional, but optional mandatory stuff that you have to do. Um, and I'd say that's another, that's another hour for six days. So you're doing that for six hours, I'd say. Um, so then that's what, 26 hours. And then my schedule is loaded on Monday, Wednesday, Friday for classes. So my classes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, probably take me about four or five hours. And then in terms of homework, I'd say it's another 10 hours a week, maybe. Yeah. I'd say eight to 10 hours a week. It's, uh, it's just a lot. I'd say, um, you're not used to having your schedule booked that much because everything has come a lot easier than that. Um, in high school, you're doing what, two hour practices after school. And then you maybe have half an hour of homework every night, like just different ball game. Yeah. So that's a great point, right? It's just much more intense, right? So I was thinking when you were saying that, like, has that changed your perspective on baseball at all because your schedule is so much more intense? Does it change the way you feel about baseball or, or no? I will say for me personally, not really. I still love, you know, the grind of it and going to the field every day, but just from what I've been hearing, it's very easy to fall out of love with it, especially if you're not performing well, if you have outside circumstances that are affecting you and then you're just there for the, at the field for, you know, four hours on a Tuesday night and you're just really laboring through it. But, you know, we talk about being in the moment a lot here and you just got to be where your feet are. And that's how they want us to, you know, they want us to commit to every rep we take, just being in the moment, you know, not thinking about external things and just really locking in for the time where that they're, that we're there, not worrying about the homework we have to do that night, not worrying about what's going on at home, stuff like that. But yeah, I personally, to get back to the question, I personally still love it, but there is other opinions on the team. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And especially like you said, you make a really good point, right? If you're not performing the way you want to, or if you're not, I mean, now you're in the fall, right? So it's not so much about playing time necessarily, but if you feel like maybe you're falling behind or maybe you're going to be, you know, down on the depth chart, motivation, it could be easy to lose motivation because you're like, why am I doing all this work and I'm not getting the return that I want? Right. And that's, that's a big thing because everybody comes to a school, an ACC school and, you know, they want to play baseball for a living. You know, that's why they're here. And it can be very easy to be turned off if, you know, all of a sudden it's not shaken out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we just, it's a long haul, um, marathon, not a sprint. And we talk, and like, you know, so I love like some of those things that you just said, right? Like being in the moment, being where your feet are, commit to each rep, right? Like I had listened, you know, we talked about this, you know, not too long ago, you know, I had listened to a podcast myself with coach, you know, Blake, who's your pitching coach there. And I was just so impressed with the way he talked about the process and the way they view the process there at Duke, the way he views the process as a coach. And I, you know, I was able to draw a lot of connections between what he was saying and the work that you and I, I had the good fortune to do with you. Like, so can you talk about some of the things that maybe we worked on and how that's prepared you for what you're going through now? Right. Um, probably, I would say the biggest comparison, it's actually like a direct parallel is they focus on, you know, your pre-start process leading into your pre-pitch process. So they're very, very process oriented as we stressed when we were um, working together. So it's just putting your body in a position and having cues so that your mental uh, game is at its, its top and so that you don't have to 
you're almost on not autopilot, but you don't, you're not grinding your gears every time that you have to do something that is responding to stimulus. So no matter what, if you give up a hit, you're doing the same pre-pitch process. You're not rattled. And that's what they really, really focus on. And, you know, they stress processing everything we do. Wake up at 8 a.m. and eat eggs. Whatever your process is, it needs to be consistent to something that works for you. And, you know, it's almost a daily thing that they talk about. And they say, yeah, we know we sound repetitive, but in reality, like people that buy in, and I can see it in the upperclassmen, the people that have the best process are the ones that are performing. And it's really pretty interesting to see because, you know, they're grown men doing the same thing every day. They come, you know, and they get their early work in and they have their thing in the box that they do. And we were working on that a lot and I thought I got a lot better at it, but it's even been harder to maintain that just because of the surroundings and the situation. Like it's easy to have a process when everything's going well. It's really hard to have a process when, you know, you're getting hit, a lot, hit around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, first of all, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll selfishly say, I'd love to hear that because I feel like that's something I really try tried to kind of emphasize with all I emphasize with all my athletes, but specifically with you and I'll toot your horn a little bit because you're probably the the smartest and most motivated kid that I've I've come across. And that's not to say that I've worked with thousands of kids, but like you just really wanted it badly. And you know, sometimes I think I don't think you actively resisted anything. You always were open to it. But I think now you're starting to understand the importance of that process, right? Because before it wasn't as important because you got by on ability, right? But like, I'll think about the game because uh, I'll talk about that game in the summer, right? Like when you're playing against a high caliber team, right? It's easy to get emotional, right? And then to go back to that process, right? And the things that you did, that you did yourself, right? Like I kind of guided you toward it, but the things that you did yourself to really ground yourself in those moments where maybe your emotions were getting the best of you, like, now it's like, now they're making you do it all the time. They're on top of you every day. And that's, there's a reason for that because you don't want to be overcome by the emotion because it's so many reps and so many pitches and there's so much failure in baseball. If you, if you get sucked into the emotion of it, you're not, you're going to burn out. You're not going to be able to kind of sustain. Exactly. And that's, um, it's, again, it's a lot easier in high school when, even when you're not mentally like locked in you can still get by on some stuff. Like you can go into cruise control and still kind of yep. rely on your ability. Here, you can't take a mental or physical rep off or you're going to get burned. And so that's really why they preach it. Because everybody's here, good. everyone here is good at baseball. It's what are we doing to separate ourselves? And they really, really preach mindfulness and, you know, and just having your head on straight no matter what you're doing. So what, what, kinds, of, what kinds of things are you doing from a mental skills perspective now there on campus, you know, as a team individually, I mean, you don't have to be specific or general as you want, but like, you know, can you talk about that? Yeah, we actually, um, they focus on it a lot here. So that we have uh, the option to meet with a mental performance coach and I was, I'm doing that this semester, but in terms of the stuff that the entire team does, we have a mindfulness session once a week, do that. And we talk about, you know, like skills that we need to do. And it's staying in the moment, being able to step back and evaluate your performance without emotion, mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. And then the freshmen specifically have a Zoom uh, once a week. Uh, we actually just finished up last week, but we have a Zoom meeting that talks about our, our process building, so to speak. And we 
Um, you know, last week we created our perfect, what do we want our perfect day to look like and how we want that to look and how we're, what, what we can do to make that a reality. It's, you can tell that they believe in it so heavily because it works. And so it's, again, they say, they know they sound very repetitive, but if you can buy in, then it, it's worth the time and the practice that you put in. All right. So I'm going to not. So I, I love all that. And I think it's great. And I obviously I'm a believer because I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe, but I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So you don't have to answer the question, but you could kind of skirt it or you could kind of pass if you want. But like you said, buy-in, right? That's something that's very big in the, the work that I do. Because if somebody doesn't, if, if an athlete doesn't trust you, trust me, right? If you don't trust me, then you're probably not going to listen to what I tell you, right? So what is the staff there done specifically for you to make you buy in? Honestly, it's talking about, I mean, everybody wants to be the first round draft pick. And so they're talking about the kids that have had success and they're talking about what they did in terms of mental performance and their process. And like, they're kind of saying like, not one size doesn't fit all, but we're seeing a trend where all of these guys that are coming out had did extensive work with this and they're, you know, being successful, they're making money playing baseball. And, you know, we all want to do that. So it's like, you don't have to, you know, you can go in and go on, you can daydream for the hour that we're on the zoom, but it's only gonna hurt yourself in the long run. And again, I think it does come down to trust. Like, can you relate to the instructor and stuff like that? They just, they just emphasize it so much that you realize over time, like, all right, they're not just saying it to say it. They actually believe that this is going to help us. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's always good to have examples, right? To point to, to say, hey, these guys did this, what you're doing, and this is the result that they got. Not that it guarantees that you'll get there, but it gives you some hope that if you do the right things that they're telling you to do, that you might get to where you want to go as well. And a lot of that, listen, a lot of that is just pure am I motivated to do the work to get to where I want to go? Right. And that's, that's why the grind is so important. We talk about that so much. I mean, you talked about that, right? The grind, loving the grind, loving the process, because I want to get to a certain place. If I can't do that, it's going to be really hard to sustain. Even there's apparently, um, I mean, I wasn't here to see last year, but some of the kids who have made the biggest jumps in this program are the ones that have committed to themselves and put in the time and effort and like, you know, their role on the team has drastically changed just because hard work pays off almost. And you invest, you invest in yourself, you do, you create a process, you put in the work and it pays off for them. And so it makes you want to work that much harder. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. So the first year, first semester, fall ball, what's been the biggest challenge that you've faced? Anything baseball wise, academically, what's been the biggest change or, or challenge in your transition from leaving home and moving to college, going to, to Duke? Honestly, I would say it's baseball wise um, because uh, I mean, you may not, I mean, my mom may not want to hear this, but you know, I feel like I'm here to play baseball. And you know, you're playing a different game here than you are in high school. Everyone's so much better. Um, you know, you're not going to it's unrealistic to expect, expect the success that you're going to have in, that you've had your entire life here. Um, and so you kind of have to go about uh, complete mental change. Um, obviously you, I still have very high expectations for myself, but almost the style of the game has changed on me. Um, and so that I would say is the biggest adjustment. Baseball is just a lot harder. 
you see everybody else doing well or the upperclassmen doing well, you see some other people doing well. Um, and even, you know, sometimes you have success and it reminds you of high school, but you realize that like these kids are really good. How can I do this consistently and stuff like, like, and not becoming impatient, but like wanting to make jumps so fast, but in reality, it's a maturation process. Yeah. You said, you say you use the word style. Like what's, what's different about the style of baseball at Duke versus, uh, versus St. Joe's? Well, I was just talking about it my, with my pitching coach. Like, you know, I can rely on one and a half pitches in high school and get by with it here. The hitters are just so much more advanced and, you know, they handle, um, you know, good stuff a lot easier. Um, so it's just a nuance of pitching that I really have to focus on, um, you know, becoming a, pitcher instead of a thrower almost and that takes time it's there's a, a lot that goes into it um so the pitching style definitely changed and also just the the culture the atmosphere you know we come in i'm coming into a very intense motivated group is a part of the reason that i picked duke you know i thrive i think i'll thrive in this situation and you know it's just every day you got to come to grind or there's you know loose spots in the depth chart. There's everybody's wanted a piece of the pie, and everybody was the alpha dog where they come from. Um, so when you're no longer that, you know everything kind of switches up on you. Yeah, it's a big it's a big phrase I use is you know you would go from being a big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond, right? And that's in, in a lot of ways that's true, right? Because everybody's just as good. And I think recognizing that, right? Like having the awareness to know that, you know, maybe you're just not as, you know, special as you thought you were. I think that the sooner you can kind of get to that point, you know, maybe the better off you are. Right. And there's that that, but then there's the fine line of realizing if I can do everything in my power to get to the position where I was in high school, where I'm that top dog, that'll keep you hungry and keep you working. Well, it's like, you know, it's just like high school, right? In some ways, right? You said, you use the word, I think you use the word impatience, but the word patience comes to mind, right? You come in as a freshman in high school and you're not the player you're going to, you're going to be when you're a junior or a senior. It's the same thing, right? You come in as a freshman and sure you want to compete, sure you want to contribute, but you know, the learning curve, the process, like what you're getting out of that first year is, you know, it's invaluable, right? You know, and so if you can take, play the long game and, and be patient and say like, hey, I've got three more, four more years of improvement, like where can I get to, right? How good can I be? Yeah, I mean, obviously the goal is to come in and pitch and make an impact day one. But the also on the contrary, I was, I forgot, I, was, I think it was the Louisville head coach who was talking in an interview. But he also said, if your freshman year of baseball in college is your best year of your career, you don't have a very good career. So you have to recognize that, yes, like, absolutely, I want to pitch on Friday as a freshman. Like, who doesn't? Like, that'd be great. But at the same point in time, you have to realize it's, it's process. It's a marathon. Yeah. And I, I know that, I know that you've got that mindset, you know, I mean, I'm sure that you have your days, but um, I think, you know, you're somebody who has a vision for, for the future. And I think that that's from a motivational standpoint, that vision will help to sustain, you know, the day-to-day -day work, the grind. So if I'm going to ask you kind of tell me one moment, like this fall, like in fall ball, maybe in a, in a practice or, or inner squad where you said to yourself, like, oh, wow, like, you know, both good and bad, like, oh, wow, like, oh, like, I belong here. And oh, wow, like, wow, these guys are really good. Like, do you have things like moments that stand out like that? Well, first, it was my first sim game. I think it was like the second batter. 
this is harder moment was I threw a fastball to an outfielder on our team and, you know, he pretty much turned on it and hit it into the freaking trees. And I was like, okay, like this is not normal. And so that was, that was an oh wow wake up moment. It was another oh wow wake up moment. You know, I was throwing, I've been throwing pretty good fastballs this uh, fall and first pitch the game, another outfielder on our team hits it over the center field fence. I'm like, wow, first pitch. Okay. And so, but then again, you have the, oh, wow, like maybe I'm good enough to do this moments where like, I don't know, you go in, like I had, um, some, I've had a couple one inning outings where you work on something all week, like uh, improving the shape of your slider, and then you can do it in game and you get swings and misses on it. And it's kind of like, you know, it's very validating to see um, you work on stuff and, you know, obviously seeing success is very satisfying so you say like yeah like I, I can do this it's just a matter of um can i do it consistently yeah there's there's a theory in sports psychology or in psychology in general called self-efficacy theory which basically kind of says like the number one source of self-confidence in a particular skill right throwing a slider throwing a fastball being a pitcher is actually having successful performance right like so when you see that you could do something once or twice or three times, like, you know, it's possible, right? So you might not get the result every time, but you could look back to that moment and say like, Hey, I did it. Now I'm really curious about what you said about that, right? Like, so will you go into a week of practice and set a specific goal and a plan or program to work on like one skill or one yep. thing? Uh, we do. Um, so we have these things called after action reports. Um, so after every outing, they want us to sit down the morning after. So it's not, or we don't do it with a ton of emotion on our mind and we fill out what went good, what went bad. And what am I going to do this week to grow on stuff? And so you, that kind of sets the tone for your throwing, your lifting for the entire week. And it's been helpful for me to, cause when you sit down and you watch a video, after the fact, you know, everything could seem better or worse, like 10 minutes after you throw and you could be like, yeah, I had a great outing, you had a terrible outing. But when you sit down and watch it the morning after you had a night's sleep on it and you look at it and you're saying, oh, this is what I need to do. This is what I did. And this is what I'm going to do in the future. It gives you a really good plan. That's, that's how I've seen a lot of the growth that I've made this fall is, you know, identifying things that I want to work on and doing it. I think that's, I think that's great. Right. And that takes that takes patience and persistence, right? Because those skills, those repetitions are so nuanced and it may even become monotonous, right? Like, you know, you're working on the same thing over and over and again, and it can get frustrating if you're not getting the results that you want, right? Like, how do you kind of keep that in perspective to say, like, if I can keep working through this and get better, it's going to help me be a better player in the long term. And that's, you know, especially again, to kind of go back to that idea, right? When you're in high school, you can make, you can make mistakes as a pitcher or even as a hitter and still get the results that you want because the physical tools are so much greater than the, the competition around you. A lot of times now those mistakes become magnified because everybody else is really good. And that's, that's kind of that element of dealing with failure baseball. you know, I'll, I'll argue it to the Cal's come home. Baseball is that is the game when it comes to that in terms of really humbling a player who, you know, thinks they're good and you make a mistake and you get beaten. You're like, holy cow, like, how did that happen? You know, I had a talk to my coach. Um, you know, I got roughed up a little bit one outing and he was just saying, you know, mental toughness is huge um, because 
you're no longer at Lake Point where everybody's, you know, intimidated by you because you're the biggest kid, you know, you're facing grown men now. And that was just kind of the essence of that. And I, I actually you know, think about that pretty often. All right. So I'm going to change directions again on you. So I'm curious, I, and I wasn't planning to ask this, but it came up in my mind. How are your parents dealing with you being away with the transition? Um, I mean, I talk to my mom pretty often. Um, you know, moms can talk. Um, so <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> when we get on the phone, I expect, uh, I'm, I'm watching that Netflix. I pause it and I expect a four minute conversation. It turns to 40. So I'm pretty in the loop with them. I mean, I'm more, <laughs> I miss my dogs a lot, but yeah, the parents are good. Me and my dad talk baseball. We talk sports, stuff like that. I'm actually in better, more contact with my siblings now. Never would have thought that. So that's, that's good. Uh, but yeah, it's again, we've been a lo- away for a long time. And so but of course, we have um, our last day of baseball is slated to be Wednesday. So kids are leaving Friday, Saturday, you know, the 13th and the 14th. But I have a in-person final on the 23rd, so I don't go home for like two or another two weeks, which it's like, oh, but yeah, um, it, it's kind of like you're here for so long and then you're kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to go home. But now everybody's leaving. You're like, wait, I don't want to leave. Like, it, yeah. I remember. I, I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a long time ago <laughs> when I, that first time I went home for Thanksgiving that my freshman year and got on the plane and it was like, I, I felt like I'd been away for years. You know, I was so excited to go home. And I, I think that's, you know, I think that's when things normalize a little bit. You go home, see everything's the same. You see your friends, you see your family and it's okay. Like now I can go back, you know, after winter break and be like, all right, this is normal now. You know, it's that first that first semester is really hard for anybody, you know, and you've been, you've been busting your butt playing baseball, trying to kind of fit in and get better. So it's, it's a credit, it's a credit to you. Um, I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to try to move things and wrap up here a little bit. You know, we're getting close to, you know, kind of where we want to be time-wise. So I just, I'm curious to like, if, how, what would you suggest or what would you say to, to any high school athlete who's going to make this jump? Like, what would you say is, like are the things that they should be thinking about in their preparation? I would say I am a huge proponent for the work we did. It helped me. I fall back on it a lot. And just even like, not like just baseball wise, day to day, you know, we, we talked about life a lot. Um, and that was, you know, I got some invaluable lessons there. After that, I would say really need to evaluate the holes in your game because they will get exploited. So if you are someone who doesn't handle adversity well, that's something you really need to focus on. If you're someone who thinks they're going to have academic problems in college, you most likely will. And so get better study habits. I would say that your strengths probably will continue to be your strengths. If you're really good in the classroom, you're still probably going to do well in the classroom because everybody has their priorities. But um, just get ready to come into an atmosphere where everybody's always been the best of the best. And it's going to be fun because you're with a lot of like-minded people, but at the same time, you can kind of desire high school a little bit. So just get ready to evolve in all aspects. You have to be ready, willing to change or you're going to get left in the dust. You, you raise a really good point, right? Like what you've described is being aware of what your strengths and weaknesses are. And I think forget about being an athlete or a baseball player. I think that that's something that a lot of in people, any person has a hard time doing sometimes because they don't want to look at the things that they need to get better at. 
do you like, have you, has there been a time in the last few months since you've been there where you've maybe kind of taken issue with the criticism or you've taken it personally from a coach or like, is like, tell me about that. Because I think that that's something that could be really be a challenge for somebody who's not used to getting a lot of, you know, critical feedback. And then all of a sudden you're getting kind of picked apart. Like, can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with ego. Like everyone has an ego, whether they realize it or not. Um, and so when you're you're humbled by your performance and then your coaches add on by that, by, you know, getting on you, it can get at you a little bit um, and you can be down for a little bit. And so I like, yeah, it, it can eat at you a little bit just because it's completely different environment. And it's, you'll realize that when they get on you about things and they're seeing a trend of inconsistencies in your game, they're doing it to make you better. It's really hard to see. Because it's after you come out of the game and you give up, I don't know, say you give up grand slam and then they chew you out. You can see that uh, it's, it's, you're filled with emotion at that point in time. So it can, you know, get, get in your head, but you know, you sleep on it for two days and you realize, oh, they're not doing it because they want to pick on me. They're doing it because they see, you know, potential and you know, where, where they want me to be and they have expectations for me. So it's kind of letting go of the ego because yeah, like, Things that you've done in the past might necessarily not work and you could be stubborn in your ways. I, shit, I've been stubborn, but it's realizing it's buying into what they're saying and, you know, just being willing to change, willing to hear them out rather than going in shutdown mode. Yeah. It's listen, not, not an easy thing to do. And I, you know, as a mental performance coach, like that's why I, I advocate for try to get athletes to kind of shift to a growth mindset, right? Where, you know, and that takes practice. That's not natural for a lot of people. A lot of people are very ego oriented, like you said, right? Where if they don't get the results they want, or they don't get the feedback that they want, they shut down, right? Rather than looking at that and saying, hey, you know, this is going to help me, you know, I can take and learn from it, right? And a lot of that, listen, you know, from a coaching perspective, right? There are obviously a lot of different coaching styles out there. There are a lot of different ways to communicate the messages, you know, a message. Sometimes the coaches are complicit in that because of the way they communicate. So again, you know, being general if you want, but like, tell me about, cause this is something that intrigues me because I've never played at the college level, but tell me about that, the communication with your coaches. How does that, what does that look like? They're incredibly honest with us. They hold us accountable when we, you know, they're not going to undress us in front of the team, but when we screw up, they let us know. And, you know, they don't get mad at, you know, physical errors, stuff like that. Like everyone's going to throw balls to the backstop. What really will get you in trouble is it is if it becomes a recurring trend and you're not making adjustments. That's, that's where they take issue. Um, you need to be able to make adjustments. That's what they do. Their coaching style, again, to get really good, results and see change you need to be honest they they're, they believe in being honest with us and so you know maybe it takes a little kick in the ass for somebody to really get motivated and start working on their game uh they're they're pretty good with you know everybody responds to different types of coaching and you know i personally like a very intense culture i mean my, my parents are pretty intense so like i come from you know I, i've experienced that but yeah they they uh they realize how to communicate their message but at the same point in time they're very honest and they do weekly checkups they say, how are you, this is what we're seeing. What are you seeing? How can we, how can we get better? Listen, I love it. I mean, and from what I know, the little that I know from the outside looking in about the staff there, because I have paid closer attention since now, you know, now that you're there, I, I kind of follow along social media a little bit and I, you know, I try to understand and, and I, my sense is, is that they have a really good handle on how to 
deal with players on a case-by-case basis, which I think really makes for really positive coaching because, you know, not everybody's the same. Everybody has different experiences in the past. Everybody has a different mindset. You know, some people are more uh, growth mindset, you know, oriented where they could kind of just take it and, and go with the flow. Some people take things really hard, you know, and sometimes you need a kick in the ass and sometimes you need a pat on the back and being able to recognize that's really important. And the fact that you're able to get that feedback in a way that you can transform it to be constructive or take it to be constructive is, I mean, that's what it's about, right? Their job is to make you better. Their job is to get you to, to the next level, right? Like to win games, to get better and to get to the next level. And I think if you keep that in perspective, then, you know, the criticisms then kind of fall into place versus the criticism, criticism being personal, which it's almost never is. It's not about you as a person. It's about how do I get you to be a better player? Exactly. That's exactly right. So if I had to ask you, I, I kind of asked you, like, what would you suggest to, you know, high school athletes who are coming up? But if you had to say or pick one thing that you think is like the most important thing for a high school baseball player or any high school athlete going and preparing to go to college, like, what would you say the most important thing to work on is? Um, let's see. Hmm. That's a tough question. I would say your ability to not live and die by your performance. Great answer. Right. Because, and so I'll sort of, you know, I'll do my typical shtick, you know, the reason why I think that that's a really important answer is because your performance, some of it's not in your control, right? You could go out there and be committed to the process. You could throw your best stuff, but the other, the person in the box, you don't have any control over that. They just might be better that moment right? That day and being able to kind of let that go and move on and learn from it is what makes a better player. If you get bogged down in that result, that is largely out of your control in some ways, then, you know, you're never going to get to where you want to go. Cause every time you have one of those hiccups, it's just going to set you back. I think it's, I think it's great. And so, you know, I think it's to wrap it up on that, like what you just said, what did you do? What do you do or what have you done to get better at letting that performance element result element go? You have to find outlets, I'd say, because, you know, at any given day, there's going to be, what, 20 of us come back to the hallway. Five of us are going to be pumped about how we played. Ten of us are going to be like, okay, I played all right, or I didn't pitch today, or and then five of us are going to have a terrible day, and we're going to be like, oh, my God, I, I just, like, need a break. But you have to be able to come home, take a shower. Obviously, everybody's going to be bummed for two hours, three hours after, but you need to be able to, I don't know, go play golf, go to the driving range, um, go fish. Um, because even the first round, the productive first rounders in our program have bad days. They strike out, they get hit and, but then they come back stronger than everybody else. So that's, I would say if you make baseball your life, you're going to be miserable. You have to, obviously you need to go, you need to get your throwing and you need to get your workout in every day. But if you are just focused on, oh, like should have done this, should have done this, should have done this. Can't focus about, can't, all right. Can't get my last step out of, out of my head. It's going to create baggage on your on your mind that you just can't handle. Great. So I'll say with that, I'll say thank you for taking the time to talk to me. It's great to see you. It's great to catch up with you and hear what's going on. And I think, you know, you share a lot of really valuable personal stuff that I think will help other people, which is really the the intention. So again, I, I thank you. And I hope that we could do this again in the spring. If, uh, you know, if we're, everything's uh, in a good, in a decent place, let's, let's try to catch up again and, and do part two. 
Absolutely. I'm really pumped to be here. I thought we had some good talking points. Uh, I'm happy that we got to catch up. So thank you. Big time. Well, enjoy. Good luck the rest of the semester and uh, have a safe trip home. Will do. Thank you. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching, located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks, ready to get better.